Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Gay With God podcast, a safe place for us to share our stories and support one another. How long did we know? What challenges did we face? Did we lose our faith? When did we find our way back home? Or are we still searching? The stories you hear on this podcast will melt your heart and strengthen your belief that in God, all things are possible and you can be authentically gay with the God of your understanding. I'm your host, Midge Noble, and I am very honored that you are here. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Gay With God podcast. I'm Midge Noble, your host, and today I actually have a real live guest for you. I know we've been taking guest sabbaticals, not by choice, by the way, and I've been doing my thing and getting on here and talking about all sorts of stuff, but you know where my passion is. My passion is to honor the stories of my guests, and today I have one. So I want to introduce you to Kaylee Hargrove, and before I introduce her, I just wanted to introduce herself. So Kaylee, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, um, like you said, my name's Kaylee Hargrove. Uh, I, I'm a, technically an ordained, an ordained pastor. Um, I have a MDiv in uh, in biblical studies, and um, I work for a nonprofit that focuses on social justice and spirituality. Um, so yeah, I mean the details about who I am will will come out. I'm sure. <laughs> Uh, throughout while we talk right because what Kaylee told me is that she has a story to tell and I can't wait to hear it because I got the cliff notes and and there is drama in this story so Kaylee let's just dive in and give you plenty of time tell us your story yeah um so like a lot of people I grew up very um very conservative very evangelical in a very small town of about five five thousand people oh wow Um, so so very small uh <laughs> and the the community there was also like very conservative even like the the thing that i like to share is i was uh, i was taught in my public school that um men men and women have different number of ribs like public <laughs> eighth grade biology was still wow. being taught that men and women have different number of ribs uh, which is kind of a funny story. Like I, I like as an adult, I was like, you know, I think it's time to question this. I'm going to do a few Google searches and, and find out if this is actually a thing. It turns out it's not. Men, <laughs> men and women, and men and women have the same number of ribs. Like uh, apparently, like that's not a uh, biblical proof, right? Who knew? Uh, <laughs> uh. Um. Yeah. So yeah, I grew up very very conservative and basically the same church for all uh well I guess 17 years of my life the first Mm -hmm. year of my life I was in a different town um but basically 17 years of my life grew up in the same church um yeah which is an independent Christian church I went to Bible college and uh yeah I went to Boise Bible College which is an independent Christian church um Bible college Wow. Uh, about 200 students uh, attended there uh, when I was there. Um, I think there's fewer now. <laughs> uh, uh, that's that's probably a good thing. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, yeah, I got my I got my degree in worship ministry. So 
if you ever, you know, if you ever thought that you got a worthless degree, um, <laughs> if you didn't get it in worship ministry, <laughs> trust me, it's a better degree than, than oh, what I well. got. Like very few people go to a four-year school to uh, get a degree in a volunteer position. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> That's right. Oh, like I forgot about the pay, man. I forgot. <laughs> yeah, like worship, like worship ministers normally what like they expect the pastor's wives to do. Like right. those, those are, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I did four, I did four years there. Mm-hmm. I got my, I got my bachelor's in worship ministry. I, uh, then decided I wanted to go on a seminary because I wanted to become a professor and, uh, I went to Lincoln Christian University to to, to study Old Testament. Um, that's what I was focusing on. I did a year and a half there, so three terms. But this was 2000, uh, 2009 to 2010. Uh, and during that time, um, I got married. Uh, my My wife and I had our first kid. And it was just like i think the height of the recession was 2008 right Mm -hmm. and so like two years later i don't don't know if anyone knows where lincoln illinois is it's a small place like Mm. a recession doesn't just back bounce in a place like that so Mm -hmm. i was working the only job i could get was part-time working at fast food um my my partner was taking care of our our newborn um Mm. like we were not making ends meet uh, me trying to go to seminary so i actually dropped out um and joined the air force enlisted got in as quickly as i could just to you know just to provide for the family that i had um uh-huh. uh yeah so dropped out of seminary for that I, I did almost nine years in the air force we talk about we talk in terms of deconstruction and that's not really it's not really how i look at it because i never I never really deconstructed. It's more like I am seriously that much of a Bible nerd that I decided that like to just study like things that I was really interested in, which was Old Testament. Um, and like I did that for fun. Like that, that's what I was doing was was <laughs> Old was Testament reading. for fun. Never heard that. Old Testament for fun. <laughs> so like you know, I was reading things like uh, historical literature um like scholarly historical literature on like ancient people and things like that um and it turns out whenever you like actually put in like study into an ancient document you find out that the current like understanding isn't exactly what it was back then (laughs) Um, right surprise surprise like thousands of years difference (laughs) uh different like ruling parties uh the influence of Christendom as like this idealistical um like world order uh like it kind of morphs the way that we understand ancient documents go figure uh-huh. um uh, and so like as I was studying and learning and stuff like just my my beliefs and the things that I saw changed um uh-huh. especially over the Old Testament and then like because of that my my views of the New Testament actually started changing too because I started to realize, oh, yeah, within ancient, like within ancient documents, um, uh, a lot of these things aren't meant to be like prophecies of Jesus. It's actually the other way around. Like the New Testament is using Jesus to point to things that happen in the Old Testament. So Jesus, the story of Jesus is pointing to uh, 
Israel's history, not Israel's history pointing to Jesus. Like it's, it's an opposite way of looking at it. And then, Mm. which helps me understand, like, you know, these ancient documents are meant to be wisdom documents. They're not meant to be like (laughs) literally taking the Bible literal uh, is taken out of context because that is not the context in which they were written in. Um, Right. So like, these are all just things I was learning. I wasn't necessarily, I didn't feel like I was deconstructing. I felt like I was growing my knowledge of mm-hmm. like this text that I was uh, told to, like told to learn, told to respect. Um, so it was almost like reframing what you had learned. You, you weren't throwing it out because it's still there, but now you have a new mm-hmm. vision of it and you're looking at it through a clearer lens. Yeah, uh, exactly. And mm-hmm. that, I mean, whenever you start to remove yourself from a like Eurocentric understanding of of an ancient text, like things change, uh, and you find out things like things like queerness actually existed in mm-hmm. like biblical times. They had a completely different understanding of of queer. I mean, I'm using queer uh, mm-hmm. anachronistically because they had their own language and ways to to frame things. Um, but that's just I'm like communicating our understanding. Yes, yes. Uh, and the ancient, like ancient texts, actually had areas of understanding queerness and categories, and they they actually show up in the Bible. Um, the issue is, is it doesn't fit the very like white European historical narrative uh, that keeps white men, white wealthy men, in power. Mm-hmm. Um, so it it's been like intentionally uh ignored um like for for example the the story of joseph uh has like so much in it that points to the fact that joseph uh didn't ha- didn't identify with their their maleness and are spoken of and referred to in very feminine feminine terms all throughout their story uh to the point where like Joseph wore uh, garments signifying the fact that they were the virgin daughter of a local ruler. Um, that's what the coat in many colors actually means. Uh, oh. The reason the reason scholars will say we don't know what this means is because they don't want to accept the fact that in in Second uh, Samuel thirteen it literally gives a definition because the audience doesn't know what that phrase means, and so it's like. These were the, it literally says, these were the garments of the rulers of old to signify, uh, worn by the virgin daughters. And it's like, oh, like if you let the Bible interpret itself, like we were actually taught in conservative schools to let the Bible interpret itself, which has its, which has its like positives and negatives. Yes. Uh, But (laughs) like if we actually followed the conservative rules, then we find out that uh, Joseph actually wore garments signifying the being a virgin daughter the end of joseph's story ends with a reference uh paralleling joseph to rachel because rachel had a child um on her on her knees which meant that was her adopted child and she would be the adopted mother in the the rachel story it's rape and and like that's terrible (laughs) like Uh it's not a good story but is still making that literary connection between Joseph and Rachel saying that uh, Joseph became the adopted mother of 
their I forget if it's grandkids or great grandkids. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's like that's how the story of Joseph ends. Like the crowning <laughs> achievement of Joseph is becoming is becoming a mother. Like uh and the, the position that they held in Egypt was actually should have been more of the feminine role because of the way that Egyptian <laughs> hierarchy was. Yeah, like, but it, we we missed it because um, because we have to fit it into very cisgender heteronormative like understanding. Right, right. Oh, and uh, also giving Joseph uh, those types of garments is actually very similar to the way that uh, the the galas would <laughs> would dress in uh, Sumerian culture. The galas were a like group of religious leaders that they were trans. They they were born in one gender and but fulfilled the role of another gender. Um, <laughs> kind of very similar to what we find in indigenous cultures where uh, queer people are like held in higher regard than um, than. Uh, uh, than, than just like an, like an average person. One of the largest like hubs of this practice was in Ur, which according to the, Bi the Bible story is where uh, Abraham came from. So like the treatment of Joseph actually matches historically to where the Bible says that Abraham came from. And so you're like a few generations away and see this pop up, at, but like I said, like it doesn't fit the narrative uh -huh. uh, of that maintains power within for uh, white wealthy men. So uh, it gets ignored. Um, right. So as you're going through this study and taking this deep dive after going through all of this schooling <laughs> and all of this very small and narrow religious background, how did that affect you as far as whether whether or not you felt like you were being disloyal to God or, or doing something wrong, you know, cause we were taught, you don't question if it's in the Bible, it's in black and white and that Jesus said it, that, you know, there it is. And, or God said it. So how were you feeling as you started to uncover some of these things? How did that affect you? So it like, it was a slow enough process that I was able to take it like one step at a time. Uh -huh. um, but yeah, that was that was like a real worry that I had. Uh -huh. This idea that I could, um, because I, I was starting to run into more people that had different uh, different beliefs and doctrines than I, uh, than I was raised with. Um, and so, yeah, that, that started to be something concerning. Like if I follow this, uh, follow this down, what if I change my beliefs and, and what if I like really a, a lot of it was around be becoming affirming because mm -hmm. uh, like, <laughs> honestly, that's like the biggest thing uh, <laughs> is like the way that we focus on sexuality. Like mm -hmm. we can have disagreements on doctrine within the church, but, in, like we have a cultural context that if uh like all that we can work through but it it's like affirmation of queerness like that's the line that we draw uh -huh. um and, and that was really the concern for me is like if i what if i become affirming um and that ends up not being true right uh -huh. and this is even be so this is even before i realized i was trans uh -huh. like, this is me so much in the closet i don't like oh, i don't I even know you. what's going on in in, uh -huh. in myself uh -huh. uh, and i just had to like accept like that just the idea that like if god 
does actually love right and we're taught that like we we sing jesus loves me when we were children all those things like uh we're reminded that um what like first john i think that god is love and uh -huh. god so loved the world right uh -huh. and so i just kind of resigned myself to uh the idea that um if god is actually loving then my like wholehearted pursuit to like figure this stuff out if i get it wrong that's probably gonna be okay mm. because like the, the bible is very clear about uh it's a lot more about the intention than than the action and like all throughout the old testament god's like i really could care less about your sacrifices because you're not taking care of the poor right <laughs> like it's it's all about like all throughout the the bible it's it's very much about like your intention and what's going on than like actual religious um adherence and so uh -huh. i just had to like kind of resign myself like like i know i know i'm not doing this for like my own personal gain i knew i knew moving forward would probably cause like splits in um like family stuff because like i'm i come from at least three generations of pastors right <laughs> um, and so like i knew going into it, like there there could be there could really be some downsides from yeah going this way but i like i just figured um at the end if god actually does love then god isn't gonna care if mm -hmm. i get something wrong after mm -hmm. like spending spending all this time studying right mm -hmm. like honestly pursuing god and coming to the wrong conclusion if god loves then god doesn't care i love but, that yeah yeah so that i mean that's kind of how how i resigned myself to go forward is just mm -hmm. trusting that that like that just that had to be true at the end of the day that had to be true for me i love that and i think that's the one thing that hangs a lot of people up is that they fear the loss of god's love and salvation, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it, there's such an either or kind of flow to the, the way we were taught is that you do this and you're saved, you do this and you're going to hell. <laughs> and there was just mm -hmm. so, so little that was taught. Well, nothing was taught to me about being trans, nothing. All we knew is that homosexuality, those people were going to hell and it was almost like they were born to go to hell because they just, you know, it was like, that's it. You know, there was no understanding of what that journey might look like. And I think today the trans community is, is in the hot seat more than ever. I, I know it's never been good, but it's such a, it's such a big focus now and it's such a horrible, scary time. Uh, for people to be trans because of it's almost like this witch hunt. Yeah. You know, every generation has a witch hunt for somebody and they're coming for <laughs> somebody said the other day, they're coming for us. If you haven't been come after, just wait, because <laughs> it'll be your turn. <laughs> we just can't seem to just stay in love, you know, with each other. But um, yeah. are you feeling well, that so pressure? Oh yeah. Like all yeah. the time. Um, I was, up, I was up really late last night dealing with work because we had, because of what are, what we do, like I, I'm, I work at uh, the Center for Prophetic Imagination um, and like we focus on spirituality and social justice and it's ran like it's staffed by two trans women. 
<laughs> like we we do feel we do feel what's going on. I live mm-hmm. in Georgia, which uh there you go. isn't as bad as like Florida yeah. or Texas, but <laughs> right. it's still like um <laughs> like we literally do have plans if we have to leave the state. Like that's where we're at. The thing is so the thing is with what is going on uh, against trans people is it honestly goes all the way back to white supremacy. Uh, the things being said right now about trans people are the exact same things that were said about gay people in the in the 90s, early 2000s. It's exactly what was said about black people during um, during the Reconstruction period. It's it's honestly what was being said to control the narrative for European people whenever uh, whenever they were justifying slavery, because Europeans developed this idea of sexual ethics that, um, especially like during the Victorian period, uh, where but sexual ethics became this uh, basically a way to show yourself as superior. Like the mm. women, especially with women, they would, those who were richer and more fancy were able to buy more clothes and cover up. It was a way to, it was a way to signify that they were better than peasants that couldn't cover up as much. And they were seen as more like sexually promiscuous because mm-hmm. they literally couldn't afford the same clothes as, mm. as like the queen, right? Then colonizers go to places like africa where they don't have all these messed up understandings of sexuality and like where cultures don't uh hyper sexualize female bodies and like they see the female form as uh as you know part of who a person is and europeans didn't like that they showed up and were like oh this is weird this isn't what we're used to and so they brought this narrative of the women don't even cover up there right and they they engage with cultures that don't have strict like european western monogamy and so this it became this narrative of of sexual deviance that was then used to justify things like slavery Mm. um and also it was used to justify the erasure of these cultures that did have an understanding of queer people uh and, and we see the same thing whenever Europeans made it into the Americas and started trying to erase indigenous cultures and their understanding of sexuality and gender. Like, look at what look at what white people did at uh, indigenous schools. Like, yes, it it was it was forced genocide mm-hmm. to uh, push a European understanding of human bodies. But that understanding was pushed because of a narrative. It, it was a narrative of protection that they could sell to control bodies. Mm-hmm. So they were protecting children. They were, uh, were protecting children from uh, like the sexually promiscuous black people. Right. Uh, but they were also saving the those people they were enslaving because then they aren't going to hell and we can give them European understandings of sexual ethics. <laughs> And then, like, this idea just keeps getting reused over and over. And once slavery ended and they can no longer control, like, control bodies because of ownership, they needed a way to control bodies through another narrative, which is why the hypersexuality of Black people really became so focused um, 
at the end of, of slavery because it was this narrative of a narrative of protection to control other people's bodies. Mm. And that's, that's how they were able to justify a lot of segregation, a lot of these laws that really have harmed black people more than white people. Um, systemic racism has been upheld because of a sexual ethic that has backed white people. Wow. And, and so like we get to, we get to today um, in, in like attorney. So attorney place was uh, when um, Bob Jones university lost their ability to, to discriminate against black people. Right. That was a huge turning point. And at this point they couldn't, they couldn't publicly uh, use a narrative uh, of sexual deviance against black people to control people um, because that's what it was like the Bob Jones University was about interracial relationships controlling literally controlling of sexuality and they lost that so because of that they had a lot of momentum they had a lot of money you had Bob Jones you had Jerry Fall of Baldwell uh -huh. um, and they had a lot of backing a lot of money and so they focused on abortion and then abortion got up upheld so then abortion became like this thing that they could that they could focus on and if we talk about if we talk about abortion specifically then we're gonna have too long of a podcast but right <laughs> to say wherever like wherever you fall on abortion um you you still have to understand that it became a political uh, a political issue because uh Christians couldn't segregate anymore, first of all, but it became the easiest narrative of protecting children, but doing that through controlling women's bodies and mm -hmm. controlling what women are able to do with their bodies. And, and that became the focus. Well, 20, what, what was it? There started to be, especially, sorry, sorry I'm, moving, I'm moving forward really fast, uh, <laughs> but like there ended up being the perfect storm against trans people, unfortunately, because of what has happened. We had the pandemic where uh, conservatives really like doubled down on, hey, you can't trust science, right? Like that's been right. the narrative since, uh, you know, evolution became a thing. Um, but then, but really it wasn't mainstream Christian to uh, like question medical science, right? Mm -hmm. Like I grew up getting vaccines. Right. Um, it, like no no issues at all i got i got all my vaccines growing up pandemic happens we have trump as president who yeah um <laughs> but i'm bumped <laughs> yeah uh and so like now now medical like now science that drives medical decisions is now like this political issue and now we are trying we we're saying we're saying that uh, vaccines are controlling people, which is like literally what conservatives were have always been trying to do is control people for power. Um, but the, able to basically take down and make it uh, basically make it so they don't have to trust medical science, right? Like what sucks for us as as trans people is like we get uh, we 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 get gender affirming care because of medical science, uh -huh. like. <laughs> most medical care like uh cancer treatment like that comes from medical science well now conservatives have uh the ability to remain in their narrative that they don't have to trust 
medical science if they don't want to agree with it, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's completely devoid of reality. We have that going on in 2020. Um, Roe v. Wade got overturned in like a mm-hmm. year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and during this time, like the focus started to come on trans people because a few different reasons, but really they needed another target. Conservatives lost Roe v. Wade, okay? When it got overturned, they lost Roe v. Wade. They lost their central call. They lost like their defining, uh, their defining topic, right? Okay. Um, and that's their defining topic to be able to control women's bodies. Now they needed. Now they need something else to focus on, and uh, because of the way that things were, the because I don't know. You can hear my dogs barking in the background. <laughs> no, it's um, okay. <laughs> because of just because of where we were as as a nation and questioning medical science needing another narrative another narrative of protection uh to maintain control and power and create a a villain essentially it became trans people they're small enough like trans people are a small enough minority that if everybody ganged up on us like we have no power like like, Uh there's not enough of us to actually Uh to actually make change like Uh we uh we are very like easy to target um and so we became so we became this target for political for political backlash it's why it's why i I constantly get called a pedophile and a groomer on Uh on the internet Uh um in all like all of this plays into that same narrative that was being used essentially against black people to justify slavery back in the day. Right. Like, we have to protect our children from these types of people, let alone during this entire time, more and more things like child abuse within uh, the church structure is coming out. Right. Like, right. Right. Con- like conservatives, conservatives are literally finding out each and every day that they're the ones that are like sexually abusing children yes but they have to pin it on the trans community yeah like because it fills their narrative and they have to have that narrative of protecting in order to maintain in in order to maintain control right maintain control right um, well and i and i've i've i absolutely agree about the the numbers because being a small minority you don't have the numbers to rise up you don't have the financial support and backing of any big organizations necessarily to go to your defense although i'm sure human rights was you know they're speaking up every yeah you know, there are certain pots of people who are trying yeah, to speak I mean, up there, yeah there are people speaking up but at the like at the end of it if it was only down to trans people yes like there's nothing trans people can do yes So that's why I like, that's why we say a lot that like, we don't need allies. We actually need people to stand in solidarity. Yes. Allyship says, Hey, you can be you. Uh, Solidarity says, Hey, you can be you. And I'm going to stand with you defending your right to be you. Yes. And and that's a, that's a very big difference. And especially Mm -hmm. within religious circles, like Mm -hmm. churches love to say, Hey, everyone's welcome here. Come in, come into our doors. We have an open table. Mm -hmm. That's great. But at the same time, if you're not also going outside your church walls to protest for trans rights, right, you're not in solidarity with us. Like it's hard for you to have an open table if you don't have an open state. That's, That's just right. How it is. <laughs> like, That's right. 
That's right. And I told people before, especially when we were talking about, you know, Pride Week and the Pride Month, mm -hmm. it was like, listen, you know, you can be my ally, but if you can't be my ally by speaking out at your church, if you're afraid to mm -hmm. say, say something in church that defends me, if you're not standing by me in the parade or walking with me, then that's that's not support. You can love me. Yeah. Thank you so much. And I appreciate that. Nice, warm feelings. But where are you in the polls? Where are you when it's time to vote for people who are going to protect mm -hmm. us or destroy us? And that allyship, even though they say, you know, everybody has a right to vote for who they want to. Yes, but then you can. But don't don't sit on the fence and vote for mm -hmm. someone who's going to take away our rights and hurt people who are trans and take away their medical needs and all of their rights, and then say, I'm, I'm standing with you. No, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. So I, you know, I'm, I've just been so angry. <laughs> Basically, I've just been so angry um, since 2016 and, and before, but especially since 2016, it seems like we have lost our mind. And instead of being open to discussion Everything is such a big shut door. You know, I think this, bam, we're not going to have a discussion about it. This is who I am. This is what I think. And that's it. And it is destroying this country. And it also is, it scares me that people who need to come out, people who still want to be Christian, people who still want a relationship with the God of their understanding, people who are trying to come into their own authentic self, you know, as a trans woman or trans man are scared to death, rightly so, scared to death to even start the journey to become who they are. Because like you said, can you imagine at your divinity school, if you had come to the realization quicker, or if you had come to the realization when you were a child living in your home with all of your generational preachers, how would that have gone for you, Kaylee? How would that have gone? What would have happened? Well, I mean, so I do actually know because, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, be, because after, so I did uh, almost nine years in the military and I left uh, because my, like my beliefs were changing, my faith was changing. I left as a conscientious objector and because I decided I couldn't, I couldn't take part in killing people. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> essentially it was what it was because I, I did a lot of, I don't, so, yeah. So like I, I had to actually realize that the, the people that we kill the most on the battlefield are literally basically the same type of people I am. Like people that fought for ISIS, um, fought <laughs> for the Taliban, fought for Al Qaeda. Like most of them, the, the the people that are getting killed day to day, they were they were people joining because they needed a paycheck to support their family. That was exactly where I was. I joined the military for a paycheck to support my family. Right. Um. And I just, I, I just realized I couldn't take part of that anymore. Um, right. And so like I went through the entire process. It took about a year to, to leave as a conscience, conscientious objector. But during that final year, I started going back to Lincoln, but uh, the, the summer 2019. So I got I got out of the air force in, in 2020. Um, <laughs> like basically I left the air force, uh, like, the week after the pandemic started. <laughs> um, it's what it kind of felt like <laughs> um, 
but uh, I started I started taking some classes back at Lincoln, the school that I went to. Same same school, right. my tradition and stuff. But summer of 2020 uh, was whenever I we call it your egg cracking. It's whenever you realize that you're trans, right? Okay. Uh, I I realized I was trans. Um, and th- I mean, there's a whole story to to that, but. It, like when it comes down to it, once like that clicked, like it so much of my like story, my experiences, like everything like fit together. It was like uh-huh. a puzzle piece finally getting put together. Uh-huh. Uh, and like so much made sense. The problem was I was already like enrolled at Lincoln <laughs> um, <laughs> and I had classes like already set up. I had my GI bill set up. Right. So like I looked into it. Uh, Lincoln, Lincoln is a title nine school right uh-huh. um which uh the department of education has said that if you're a title nine school then they won't fund you or that if you're, you can't be a title nine school and discriminate on the basis of sex which does include um sexual orientation and gender identity the supreme court like ruled that <laughs> so this is this is law right and until so like, they change right. it yes i'm um, sorry go ahead <laughs> yeah I mean, we've already seen that. Oh. Um, but, but so like in my mind, sure, I am protected. It's a conservative school. I'm doing, I'm, I'm doing classes at a distance, right? Like there is, there's no reason for for there to be really any any issue. And even at that time, like whenever I was starting classes, like I didn't, even, I didn't know if I was going to transition. Not everybody, not everyone does transition. Um, mm-hmm. and and that's okay like everybody lives their own story i didn't know mm-hmm. what mine was going to look like right i did eventually decide uh that i was going to transition uh later but at the time whenever i started classes like it, it wasn't even a possibility for me i was still in the mm-hmm. military under trump's military mm-hmm. um, <laughs> which mm-hmm. uh if you want to go see trump's opinion on trans people in the military go right ahead um mm-hmm. And uh, so, like, I didn't have options while in the military. I was getting out, so I knew that there would there would be a possibility in the future. But like, yeah, at the time, like, I don't know what's gonna happen. So I I, I went forward with classes because it's still my tradition, it's still the tradition that I I recognize. I, I mean, I still kind of recognize as it, just because mm-hmm. you can't escape your tradition. <laughs> yeah. In, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm still actually technically ordained in in this tradition, um, at, at least until the congregation that ordained me uh, defrocks me or whatever. <laughs> um, mm. So yeah, I I went to school there. I was getting straight A's. Um, they so they they ended up finding out that i was trans and i had decided to transition and they sent me a letter saying i had uh basically the choice of of um uh dropping classes because it's still like the beginning of one of the terms where you could drop classes and not be charged for them Uh or face a disciplinary committee and it's like uh i don't have money to like try to fight this and then most uh-huh. likely get expelled. Uh, and uh-huh. so I had a I had a drop. Um, which by the way, that's uh, sexual harassment <laughs> uh-huh. uh, according to um, uh, according to the law, right? Uh, and it's against Title IX. <laughs> Essentially, I got expelled from school because because of being trans. Um, uh-huh. 
and they they sexually harassed me to get me to drop classes uh, from there like i made a tweet about it which ended up getting like rather like really viral um but it ended up connecting me with like different people and one of them was uh the people that are at reap which is religious exemption accountability project okay um which they at the time they had just filed a lawsuit against the department of education because there's this thing called uh religious exemption within title nine essentially gives religious universities the um the the ability to openly discriminate against queer people mm. and still receive federal funding Ugh. um so so think about that like you pay taxes i pay taxes i was paying taxes at the time that i went to school uh literally funding <laughs> literally funding my own discrimination and harassment because they're receiving title nine money the thing is lincoln didn't have a religious exemption and this is like this is the kicker like this is the part that is like oh this is an incredibly unjust system. According to rules, which had been in place for a while, but then like extended even more under Trump's administration, a school can apply for religious exemption after they are accused of a Title IX violation. Wow. So, so literally religious schools can discriminate until somebody says hey i was discriminated and they then they can go oh sorry religious exemption so <sighs> like literally so literally this school doesn't have a religious exemption because if you do you have to tell you have to put it out there like it has to be public that you have a religious exemption the department of education like keeps those actually keeps those public you can go read uh the the letter that these schools send to the department of education of why they should be exempt. And most of them are like, I don't know. They're, they're super fucked up. Like mm -hmm. if, you, if you read them, I don't know. Can I swear on your podcast? Go ahead <laughs> because I can always okay. click the explicit. So you go for it. Okay. <laughs> I have no well, problem with that. <laughs> um, Yeah. Like some of these are super, like they're so yes. just messed up because yeah. they're like, we, we are a religious school and we find this, we find, homosexuality to be against the bible no explanation no uh -huh. like doctrine or like history of doctrine and the independent christian church uh is intentionally non-credal like it's intentionally doesn't have doctrine that everybody has to agree by uh -huh. um so like there is no backing for a, a tradition of of exclusion <laughs> um, wow but also at the same time they have they had a sister school ozark christian college who has also been sued uh for discrimination which is why um they uh they have re religious exemption policy uh because somebody complained and so they had to fill it out like they work together they share professors ozark and, and lincoln so lincoln uh -huh. knows that like religious exemption is a thing that like schools are supposed to apply for but they didn't because nobody had complained yet under the uh, and and so they were able to advertise as a Title IX school, all the while knowing they were uh, in violation of Title IX policies, and were choosing to not like, were choosing to not put in the exemption until somebody called them out on it.
it's like the most uh the the most like it's so it's so messed up like people uh-huh. like literally thought about this they're, like there's or, the organization ccc cccu the coalition of christian colleges and universities like they provide legal assistance for schools and so they're up on this they're uh and so they give like legal assistance to schools to like let them know if they should fill out a, t- a title nine religious exemption um and so they know like they know that there's a loophole that you don't have to do it until you until somebody complains anyway well um, so, so let me let me just say this that every time i hear the word trump there's usually a story just like this <laughs> where you know because of him because of something he signed because of something he created he is the he is the premier example of of this of discrimination of how to get out of things how to hide behind things how to create things yeah. to get himself out of trouble and and that's now benefiting the base that he thinks he's a part of and he's not part of the the christian base he he has no idea what it means to walk the talk of a man <laughs> called jesus or any decent person whether you mm-hmm. believe that jesus was the son of god or not you know buddha lao tzu jesus all of these spiritual icons that we have who walked the talk of love and justice i mean it wasn't just i'm here holding flowers and you know being a you know G- <laughs> jesus was not a peacemaker jesus mm-hmm. was a rebel really <laughs> And stirred things up, but he did so in order to accommodate all the the marginalized people. And I think that I don't know how we will heal or recover from all of the ugliness that Trump unearthed. I'm not saying he's the reason for it, uh, for the ugliness, but he allows it and he um, promotes it. And yeah. we're all suffering because of that. I mean, unfortunately, I the things that came out more when Trump was in, was president uh, were things that were already always there. Exactly. Like, the the thing the things that he was saying was things that basically the things that I was raised with that we mm-hmm. weren't supposed to say out loud around <laughs> liberal people. Well, now you can say it out loud around liberal people and then call them snowflakes. Which, yep. by the way. Liberal people take criticism much better than conservatives. Like, Apparently, if you want to see, see a snowflake, like wave a wave a rainbow flag in front of a conservative person and see who the snowflake is. Like they get crazy. <laughs> uh, yeah, but but also like so the thing is is because now we've been under the Biden administration for um over t- almost two and a half years now. Mm-hmm the the policy hasn't changed uh-huh. like schools can still uh can still get a religious exemption they can still do it after the fact the updates to title nine to in my opinion the updates to title nine have been meaningless um there's better language to uh include trans people in protection like because of the supreme court ruling it was all like it was supposed to be interpreted that way anyways uh, but it doesn't protect trans people from bathroom discrimination or sports discrimination, and it doesn't protect queer people from the religious exemption. Um, 
And these are all things like that, that needed to be addressed and they weren't. And, and that's that's been my frustration with Biden. Like I'm not <laughs> a I'm not a Biden fan. Like <laughs> I'm way more I'm way too progressive to to be a Biden fan. Like I'm not that conservative. In uh -huh. my mind, Biden Biden's conservative still. Uh -huh. Still, at the end of the day, like Title Title IX is a suggestion for religious institutions, and the federal government still funds these schools, uh -huh. and that and that's what's going on, and that's why that's why there's a lawsuit going on. Um, that Reap is that Reap is backing. Um, like I said, that they're suing the Department of Education. Um, I'm one of the plaintiffs on it now, but it's really focusing on that issue like our federal government should not be funding the persecution of people they promised to protect uh -huh. like hands down it gets put under this idea of religious freedom right since when does religious freedom apply more to a, an institution than to humans right um i mean i do actually know the legal precedent that like made institutions u.s persons um which is also fucked up because yes it up. is yeah like do yeah. you really have to make institutions give institutions personhood so you can marginalize and dehumanize more people like yes really like <laughs> oh <laughs> but like that, like that's what it comes down to my my religious freedom is not being protected right mm -hmm. i'm a, i i am a trans queer christian like mm -hmm. i still study the bible i still like i teach classes on on christianity and spirituality like this is something that is part of my like beliefs i mm -hmm. should have religious protection but they they would rather fund a, a school that is um that is discriminating against me than protect me mm -hmm. and, and when it comes down to it, it's about money like right it's always about money um and because because these schools get uh, federal student loans, that means that the federal government gives money to the schools. So these, so the schools get paid, students can go, and then the student pays back more money than what the government gave. Right. So right. the government, the government is literally is literally making an industry off of queer discrim discrimination. Like they're making money off of queer discrimination, uh. and, and so it's it's not in their interest to stop discrimination. So if you ever thought like, if you ever thought there's somebody moral in US government, um, if they're able to, if they were able to stop this and they're choosing not to, that's not a moral person. Right. Our, our right. like, <laughs> and that's kind of the thing, like people don't understand our federal government, the United States of America in 2023 is still making money off of the discrimination and marginalization and oppression of people like we have not come as far as no anyone we would like we haven't somebody said to me the other day that that somebody was moving back to my hometown well not my hometown my where i live now um yeah. and they left in the 60s and they're going to be coming back here now and they said, and I wanted them to connect with you, Midge, so that you can tell them that things are better now than when they left. And I said, well, they're really not necessarily better. Things have changed since the 60s. But when it comes to the fear of walking hand in hand down the street, 
mm-hmm. with your person, <laughs> that's not better. We're still targeted. We're still afraid that we'll be killed for being trans or gay. You know, that's still happening. We're, we still have to hold our breath to see if we're going to stay married. You know, my trans friends still have to hold their breath to see if they're going to be able to get the medication that they need for their gender affirming care. I mean, it's all about fear. And so that's not better. It may, we may not be targeted exactly the way they were in the 60s, but we mm-hmm. still have a target on our back. Absolutely for yeah. sure. You know, Kaylee, I don't think you and I are done. I feel like that we could talk for hours. So today what I want, so my my last question for you would be, and then I want you to come back. Okay. Cause okay. we're clearly not done. Yeah, no, um, no I, I love doing, I love doing podcasts. So, well, I'm glad uh, because, because I feel incomplete, on here. <laughs> very incomplete. So the last thing I want to ask you for today though, because we've talked about, you being a part of a family with three generations of, of preachers, you've mm-hmm. been immersed in Lincoln school. You got kicked out basically of Lincoln school um, for being trans. How did that affect your, well, I actually, I actually have two questions, so we'll try to hurry. Um, <laughs> my first question, my first last question would be, how did that affect your relationship with your family? Do they have any idea I'm assuming that they know that you're trans, but I can assume that because I don't know your life. But do they do they know that you're trans and that you've started to transition? And do you still have a relationship with them? Uh, so th- there's people in my family I don't have a relationship with anymore. I mm-hmm. so I am out fully. So th- okay, this is speculation. So if uh, there's no proof behind this whatsoever, mm-hmm. but. I got kicked out of Lincoln just a few weeks after uh, one of my family members outed me to my entire extended family. Ah. And I I have a feeling that it was one of my family members that informed Lincoln. Uh-huh. Because um, oh. I wasn't I wasn't publicly out. I was uh-huh. um there was no I, reason I was, for them to know. There's no reason for them to know. Yeah because I was at a church I, I was at a church that I was interning at um where they were affirming and accepting mm-hmm. me and even though I was like really like beginning my transition like I could be myself at that church mm-hmm. um like uh I like I was preaching like quite often uh mm-hmm. as myself like one of my family members found that even though I mm. didn't connect my stuff uh, mm. I'm really, I've really like messed up Snoopy mm-hmm. family people mm-hmm. uh, and, and then outed me to my entire extended family. Uh, since then, like I've, I've had a cut off relationships and I'm sure that mm-hmm. they blame me for it. Here's the thing. If, if you aren't accepting your queer family member and they have mm-hmm. to cut you out, that wasn't them being mean or evil. That was literally because they had to put up a boundary because mm-hmm. you were causing that much harm. Mm-hmm. So, like if you're mm-hmm. listening to this because whatever reason, I don't know mm-hmm. if I have family like listening to this because they want to like keep snooping on, on what's going on in my life. Mm-hmm. Like I cut people, I've cut family members out because they're causing more harm than what's worth keeping them around. Right. Because I needed boundaries. I have to take care of myself. Absolutely. Like, I, I, I visited my grandma like last year when she was dying. Um, which is really hard because she mm-hmm. didn't accept me. 
Um, mm-hmm. And she said some really awful things. Uh, and I still showed up, even though she had like, well, I still showed up when she had like just a couple weeks left. Mm-hmm. Um, I was terrified that uh, the extended family might literally shoot me. Luckily, that didn't happen. Yeah, but that uh, but that is so sad. <laughs> that is so sad to know that you were in danger of going home to see your dying grandmother because you're trans. That's ridiculous. I mean, it, so it does help that like my entire family lives in one side of the country and I live on the other side. Well, yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that helps thank God. With the day-to-day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But as far as that, like my, my partner and I are, are still together. We, we have two kids together. We're um, honestly, like we're, our relationship is so much better and more intimate mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. everything since coming out. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's, that's been, um, I mean, not to say that like it, it was easy. It was not easy because when not. I came out, we were no. still like, uh, still rather like conservative and stuff. Like we were changing, but we, we weren't there yet. Um, yeah. And yeah. so it, it was hard and it took a lot of time and a lot of really hard things happened, but Mm-hmm. where we're at today is is much better than anywhere we would have ever been if I didn't come out. Right, right. So then the last, last question <laughs> I have today <laughs> is, what is one thing that you want to say to your trans community? So to the trans community, I would say, honestly, just hang in there. Mm-hmm. Um, things really suck. I'm not going to, like, we can't sugarcoat it. Do your best. Uh, to create self-care um mm-hmm. but also like specifically so specifically uh I'm, I'm gonna speak to my tradition for for trans people who are still christian came from christianity whatever mm-hmm. um and i know that's not your entire audience but i think that's okay because i think absolutely af- affirmation in every um in in every demographic is good mm-hmm. uh, genesis one says that god created them male and female uh, created them in god's image male and female every single day of creation has margins it has uh it has things that exist outside of the categories um there just because it says that god made the sun moon and stars doesn't mean that black holes don't exist just Mm. because Mm. uh it said that there's creatures of the sea and creatures of land doesn't mean frogs don't exist which Uh frogs are actually one of my favorite animals (laughs) doesn't mean mosquitoes don't exist Uh we might consider mosquitoes sinful but we don't (laughs) consider we don't consider frogs sinful uh we don't consider emu farmers sinful because emus are this weird place where there are birds so they should fit in the category of animals of the sky but they don't fly so they're an animal that lives on the land but they were originally uh, they were originally wild and then became domesticated and are considered yeah. camp uh, cattle in some areas so they've really fit into three different categories there is not a single category in the creation story that is meant to be closed and fixed uh. they are generalizations <laughs> so when it comes to uh so when it comes to god created them male and female there it is actually taking the text out of context to say that it is a closed binary because it's not consistent that's not how you do biblical study and on top of that 
it is not it is not that you have the image of god it is that humanity as a singular mm-hmm. because that's what the language says it says rule create humanity singular not humans not not individuals humanity in god's image so you in who you are your queer self your trans self your non-binary self who you are created to be is one part of the image of god and without you there is no complete image it (sighs) takes the entirety of humanity for the image of god to be displayed Mm. and that's where we'll end because that was beautiful Thank you. Kaylee, thank you so much. And we will get you back on this show quite soon because I'm not done. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And to my listeners, I say thank you for coming back each week, supporting, sharing, and subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to see more information about Kaylee, go to the Gay With God show page at empoweredmidge.podbean.com. Check out our Facebook group, Gay With God, where we do a monthly Zoom group entitled My Faith Journey. And if you need support and help through your coming out or faith journey, go to the show page at empoweredmidge.podbean.com. Scroll all the way down to the bottom and see how to connect with me. And remember, we also have the Ask Me Anything group that's coming up that once a month, getting ready for my memoir, Gay With God, Reclaiming Your Faith, Honoring Your Story. You know, I'm going to plug it. I'm going to plug it and plug it and plug it. (laughs) So if you're listening to this podcast and are questioning whether you can be gay and be in a relationship with the God of your understanding, if you identify as LGBTQIA+, or not even sure if you're gay, God has always been within you. And even when you didn't know it, you have always been gay with God. Thank you, everybody. Stay tuned to see how you can join the Gay With God community. And as always, you are loved. I want to invite you to become a part of the Gay With God community. How can you do that? Stay connected by messaging me your thoughts and comments in the comment section under the downloads of the show on the Gay With God show page. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen and share, share, share so we can increase our community outreach and be a light to those who are struggling to claim their faith. Consider being a sponsor so I can highlight your service in our community. We are all worthy of respect and a relationship with the God of our understanding. I want to thank you in advance for supporting this podcast. Together, we as a community will keep this show visible and our community stronger. Deep gratitude to my friend Tim McClendon of Tim McClendon Music for allowing me to use an excerpt from Interlude 4, a song found on his CD entitled Sundance.